0: As you may know, the Hui are our adopted, um, unreached people group, and we want to continue to keep this in our forefront as we pray and as we do have brothers and sisters who are presently uh, ministering among the Hui. And uh, we want to be reminded that, uh, that God can do great things. Um, one of the things, again, the video shared, and it just always moves me when I hear it, they say a Hui may live their entire lifetime without hearing the name of Jesus. And here are a group of people who are so um, seeking after God. I mean, they really are seeking after God, even, maybe even more so than a lot of Christians in the United States. Um, and yet, they, do, they, they can't even hear uh, the name of Jesus. And so we want to continue to really pray for them and to pray for our brothers and sisters who are serving there among them. So let's go ahead and let's go to Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we... Um, We praise you and thank you because you are a great and wonderful God. We worship you because, um, Father, even as we uh, sang, you are worthy of all praise. Uh, You can do all things. You are the great king over all the universe. You are calling uh, your people uh, back to you, Lord, as uh, your creation. Uh, All of us, we have, uh, no matter who we are, we we have this uh, uh, image of God in us that yearns yearns for you. And Father, we know it can only be filled through Jesus Christ. And we think about all the Hui the, the Lord, right now. And they're just seeking you. They're doing so much. They're so devoted to uh, the religion of Islam uh, that it's part of their identity. It's everything that they do. Uh, and yet, Father, they are living uh, their complete lives in, in, in utter darkness, Lord, in utter deception, Father. And Father, we pray together that... That, Father, you would break through uh, the darkness, the uh, the chains that um, uh, Satan really just have a grip on these people, Lord and Father, a stronghold in this area, and 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 Father, we pray that that you will break through, Lord, that you will bring about a great revival, that you will do something that. You know the world thinks can never be done but 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 lead so many muslims to to come to know jesus christ as savior lord and even in we look at china right now and all the persecution that is going on and and the struggles and the closing up and the suspicion and all these things we pray that even as the government is trying to to do these things lord to both christians and muslims lord and anyone else of faith that in the end that these things will ultimately turn to people coming to know jesus christ as savior lord that it will really uh, empower uh, and, and, and move the, the, the believers in China, uh, even the, 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 the Muslim believers in China, to, to really stand firm and, and to really proclaim uh, their faith in Jesus Christ, Lord. We pray for our dear brothers and sisters who are ministering right now among the Hui, Lord, uh, so faithful, Lord. And um, God, we pray for their safety, Lord. We keep hearing how dangerous it is. We pray that you will keep them from being persecuted or from being imprisoned or being uh, expelled from the country or or whatever else, whatever other threats that the government can do to them, Lord. Uh, But we pray that instead you'll surround them with um, your heavenly hosts, Lord, your angels, your army. Keep them from any harm, Lord. Enable them to um, proclaim your word uh, boldly and courageously, Lord. Uh, to be able to take steps of, of faith, to to share and to, to be that witness, Lord, even in the face of, of a lot of threat, Lord. And Father, we pray that you'll give them wisdom as well, Lord, to be able to be led to those whose hearts will be open uh, to Jesus Christ, Lord. And so, God, we really do pray for these dear brothers and sisters who are ministering there, Lord, and for the many other uh, missionaries who are there, Lord. And uh, so, God, again, we lift this to you. We recognize... Uh, that even as we are here, uh, we, we thank you that we can worship you so openly. We thank you that we know Jesus, the Son of God. And Father, we pray that we will continue to be faithful in, in doing everything we can to bring this love of Jesus Christ, this hope of Jesus Christ to, to this world that really does uh, desperately need him, Lord. As so we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so good morning and welcome to Living Hope. And uh, I'm Pastor Harrison, and here at Living Hope, we do, we love Jesus. We want to be a community of faith that sees no task too daunting, no sacrifice too great. We really believe that God is without limit. And I did want to share uh, just a really quick kind of uh, I don't know if it's an advertiser or promotion, that next Sunday we're going to be having movie night. It'll be Sunday evening, and the young adults will be sponsoring this. The movie is called Instant Family. As you know, that one of our focuses this year is foster families, and this movie Instant Family is a movie about a family who adopts a number of different children. It's actually really, really accurate in terms of the types of children, uh, the types of things that children go through uh, as foster kids, as well as the types of things that families go through as they consider adoption. So I really encourage you to come. That'll be uh, next Sunday night, not this, not tonight. Next Sunday night at uh, five o'clock, and it's a potluck. So bring food if you want to eat. Bring food, and also a just a, a warning. This movie is a secular movie. It is not a Christian movie. It is also it is rated PG-13, I believe, so it is not for children. So please do consider that this is something that's not, you know, it's not a Christian movie. There will be language or things in there that you may not want your little children to hear, uh, so that's why the young adults are sponsoring it. This is not like an all-church thing. And also, uh, what we will do, be doing afterwards is we also, we're meeting earlier because we want to have some time of discussion and sharing so that we can sit down and talk about the movie, talk about what are some of the things as we look at that when we think about the children and the families that are involved in this type of situation, what are the things that they go through, and how can we as a church be more aware of how we, how God might be uh, uh, encouraging us or opening up doors for us to minister to foster families and foster children. So, do encourage you to put that on your calendar. Uh, think about what type of food you're going to bring and just just come and we should have a, a really good time that evening. So today uh, we're, we're focusing uh, continue on our theme of transformation. This is actually the second component of our philosophy of discipleship based on Mark chapter 1 where Mark says follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We saw that the first element is personal choice that we must choose first of all to obey God. If we do not make this choice, then God will not be able to become everything that God really does intend for us to do unless we really personally choose to follow Jesus day by day. The second element, of course, is transformation, that as we follow Jesus, um, he will not fail to transform, to really fundamentally change our lives in ways that we never could imagine. And then finally, the third element is the idea of mission, that the, the, the goal of transformation is not just self-improvement, it's not just self-fulfillment, that it's about mission, that God's mission and desire is that we would be people who are equipped to bring the living hope of Jesus, to bring the gospel to the way, to our coworkers, to whoever God brings in our path that really needs to hear the gospel. So today we're continuing in our study of the book of Joshua. and We saw that the, the study, the, the, the um, theme of Joshua is about the faithfulness of God, that God will not fail to uh, fulfill every one of his good promises. We saw that, that the Israelites, God has now made them into a great nation just as he said he would. He's using them to bring blessing, to to declare to the nations that he is God, just as he said he would. And now in Joshua, the people stand, the Israelites stand at the foot of the promised land, and he is about to give them this land just as he said he would. And so throughout... Um, Throughout Joshua, we'll see the sense of God's faithfulness to his people. And in Joshua chapter 6, we see the Israelites have crossed the Jordan River. They've consecrated themselves to God. And now they're ready for the first task of possessing this promised land. And that is the conquest of the fortified city of Jericho. Now, again, we know Jericho. It's a very familiar story. So I really want to focus on what can we learn from this particular uh, narrative in the scripture. And I believe that this familiar story actually teaches us about the everyday challenge of following God's perfect plan. Now, one of the things that we may find a certain amount of discomfort with is the idea of you know, getting lost. Okay, if you're in a different country or in a different town, or if you're out in the middle of nowhere or you're hiking and you get lost, it's just really kind of frustrating. You can't talk to people to find out where you are. You don't know whether you're going further away from your destination or closer to your destination. Um, and, 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 and you know, sometimes if you're hiking, it's starting to get dark or whatever, and you start getting even frightened. Now fortunately, with the accessibility of GPS, which to me is like, it's, it's a miracle for me because I always get lost. Um, but, but with GPS, the idea of getting physically lost is drastically reduced. It's almost for young people, maybe it's, it's even a non, non-issue anymore. Whenever we drive, we don't even worry about getting lost anymore. Although my family, they're always praying when we leave the house, because they're not sure whether daddy's going to find his way home. I tend to get lost a lot. But there are other ways in which people can get lost. And there are times when we may feel like um, we're, we're, we're losing our way uh, in life, right? Times when we're going a certain direction, we're happy, our relationships, our future, everything seems to be going well, and then suddenly life takes kind of an unexpected turn. Something happens. Or maybe we feel stuck, and we're in our lives right now, and we say, well, I don't know what I want. I really don't know what I want in life. Or, or the things that I have, these are things that they are not what I want, my dreams, uh, I, maybe we, we find or fulfill our dreams and we say, well, this isn't what I really thought it would be. This is not what I wanted. Or maybe um, we're so busy in our lives, uh, what, we, what I say, we're doing and filling. That's a lot of things what we do in our lives is we do and we fill. We do a lot of stuff. We fill our lives with a lot of stuff. And then eventually it comes to a time when we, we wonder and we say, yeah, but what, what now? Now that I keep doing all these things and I'm tired, I got all these things and I still want more, why am I not happy? What's wrong? See, one of the the, the wonderful promises of God to every one of us is that he tells us that he has a great plan for our lives. And though we may feel lost at some times, we're not lost because God has a good plan. He has a perfect plan for each one of us here. And he promises us that if we follow Jesus, he will get us there. Even with all the mistakes and foolish choices that we may make in our lives, God graciously always finds a way to get us there. In fact, God is so powerful that he can even use our mistakes and failures as a part of his will and his plan for our lives. And so basically when we're following Jesus, it's like a win-win situation. But there's, the thing is, is that often it's not the, the destination that's the problem. It's the getting there that we often struggle with. That we say, you know, how do I get from where I am to where God wants me to be. And that's really what the battle of Jericho, uh, what we can learn from the battle of Jericho. So I'd like you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. And shall we stand in reverence for the word of God? Let's all stand together. This is now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the men and with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram horns in the front of the ark, and on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and the people will go up and every man straight in. And so Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it and he ordered the people advance march around the city with the armed guard going around the ark uh, with the ark of going ahead of the ark of the lord may the lord bless the reading of his word. you may be seated so from this passage what we're going to look at is what i would call the mystery of god's perfect plan you know this is the thing you know when we're faced with a crisis or an important decision a lot of times we may say to God, we may say, uh, God, you know, it would be a lot easier if you show me what your plans are, right? If you show me where you're going and show me exactly what I need to do, uh, then everything would be fine. You know, why is everything so mysterious, God? See, we, we, we look at Joshua and the battle of Jericho, and the one thing that stands out is that we, we think about this, and, and what God is trying to say is that God's plans are mysterious for a reason and when we begin to understand that reason or those reasons it helps us to know and really to follow God's word and to allow God really to fulfill his plan in our lives so so when we think about mystery what actually is mystery now in the bible mystery is basically something that is moving forward but is not yet fully revealed okay in scriptures this idea you have the mystery of Christ And basically, uh, what was happening is that people didn't know how God was going to bring his salvation, but God was progressively revealing his perfect plan of redemption until Jesus rose from the dead, and you're like, oh, that's how God's going to do it. Or the, the mystery of the Gentiles that the Jews are saying for centuries, we've been focusing on the nation of Israel. And God says he's going to reveal how the nations are going to be part of the kingdom of God. And this was this mystery of the Gentiles. And then Paul began to reveal how that was going to happen. And so in all these elements, we see that God's plan at the time was moving forward, but people didn't know what God was doing. They didn't know everything about God. But eventually it was revealed by God according to his perfect timing. And so the battle of Jericho is kind of like a microcosm of this idea of God's mysterious plans. And so as we look at God's plan, the first thing we want to look at is the one element that is not mysterious in God's plan. And that is the certainty of God's faithfulness. The certainty of God's faithfulness in in the face of contrary circumstances so you look at verse 1 it says now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites no one came in no one came out then the Lord said to Joshua see I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men so in these two verses it's really clear you got the beginning of the verse says it's tightly shut up there's no way anybody can come in and come out but yet in verse 2 God says I have delivered Jericho into your hands. He's promised it already. He hasn't said how it's going to be happening because they look at it and go, there's no way. But he says, Joshua, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. In fact, even though the walls are shut tight, God said, it's so done that I'm using past tense. I delivered it into your hands. That's how certain... God's promise is, um, you know, when we read in God's word, we think about this idea of the certainty of God's plan, God's faithfulness, even when it's contrary uh, to circumstances around us. We read God's word about his care for us, about his good plans for our lives, his protection, his provision, his hope that he, he guarantees no doubt with no wavering, every, uh, everything that he promises, God says these will come to pass even though we might not know at the time, how's this going to happen? You know, every good thing, if you think about it, you think about your life, every good thing in our lives uh, involves some circumstance, difficult circumstance to overcome. We really think about it. You know, for Reed and I, we've been in ministry for over 30 years by the grace of God. And we've walked with a lot of people who've gone through very, very difficult trials, struggle, tragedy, and loss. But yet Rita and I can tell you, and you can ask her as well, um, God is faithful. We have no doubt. We've been beside people who have lost loved ones, who have dreams that were completely destroyed, who have suffered through illness, but have held fast to God. And we've seen... God is faithful. He has fulfilled his plans in their lives. In fact, he brings a special blessing um, to those who are hurting, uh, to those who, 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 who are so crushed and, and, and think that, that nothing good can happen and yet God comes and just blows them away. You look at uh, Psalm 130, 147 and Psalm 34, you know, he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up the wounds. Uh, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. His eyes, meaning he looks towards the righteous. His ear, he hears their cries, meaning the righteous are not sitting and they're saying, oh, everything's fine, we're wonderful, we're not crying out. It's the righteous are crying because of the struggles that, that are involved in life. And God says, no, but my ears are towards you. I can hear everything. I'm looking at you. And this is not just like a nice saying for a Hallmark card or a Bible card that you give to somebody. This is a promise of God. God promises this. And, 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 and I've seen it over and over and over again. I have no doubt in my mind, God is amazing. He's a God of miracles. He fulfills His word, every single promise, every single good plan for our lives. If we follow Him, as we follow Him, as we trust Him, no matter what the, um, the outside circumstances may look like, no matter how shut that, that wall seems, This is a certainty. This is the certainty of God's plan. This brings us to actually the second element of God's plan, and that is what I would call the uncomfortable unknowns. Now, this is the hard part of God's plan and God's will for our life, and this is the place where many people falter, where they're tempted, where we're tested, and oftentimes people will uh, abandon God's plan. See, the uncomfortable unknowns describes the gap between where God wants us to be and where we are right now, okay? And sometimes for the life of us, we say, well, I know God wants this in my life. I know that God has a plan for my life, but where I am right now, I have no idea how I'm going to get there. We say, well, you know, I, I want to be a witness at my work. I want to, to really show Christ in my workplace, but, but it's so hard, in the present situation that I'm in right now, in the complicated relationships that I'm facing right now, in the politics that are going on right now, in the way in which our company is so you know, politically uh, correct and, and coming down on Christianity right now, how am I gonna be a witness at my work? How do I get from where I am to where I believe God wants me to be? How, you know, God, we say, God, I know you will provide. I know you said that, that you provide for everything we need, but you know, what I'm looking at right now and we say, I don't know how I'm gonna pay for it. I have no idea where the money's gonna come from. We've, we've looked at our finances over and over and over again. We've tried every single way, every single possibility, and we just cannot figure out how we're gonna get from where I am to where I believe God's going to where God's going to be. Or or, or maybe we say, um, God, I know you have plans for my son. I know you have plans for my daughter. They're going to be godly men and godly women. But man, right now, it seems like they don't want to have anything to do with you. And I don't know what to do. And we say, wow, you know, this is where I am. And this is where I know you're going to bring my kids. But I just don't know. God, how is it going to get there? God, I know you have a plan for my life that you want to bless me and use me. But, you know, God, you know I really messed up. I really messed up. And God, how can you still use a a person like me? Those are the uncomfortable unknowns. You have a marriage, and you say, I know that you brought us together, and I know that, that you want us to have a lifelong marriage where we will honor one another, where we will be that marriage that will show other people the love of Jesus Christ. And we say, but man in my marriage right now it's so hard it's so hard how are you going to get me to where you want me to be or retirement we say um, I know they always say Pastor Harrison says retirement is your new opportunity you know a chance to start new to do something new but we say well but you know I feel like this is what I've done all my life what am I going to do I'm going to be bored I don't know what to do I've never thought about it and and we say well how is God going to get me from where I am to where I know he wants me to be? See, we look at verse 1 and verse 1. It says, Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one came out. And sometimes that's how we feel about, uh, about um our lives. There's nowhere to go in my work, in my marriage. Uh, the wall before me is just shut up, and I can't get through. See, these are the uncomfortable unknowns. And, and here's the thing is, is, is when we look at the uncomfortable unknowns that Joshua's facing, it begins to help us to understand, okay, how do we think about our lives right now, the things we're facing? We think about Joshua. Now Joshua, you know, he has a lot of experience. We have to understand kind of like the nature of warfare, like defensive warfare and offensive warfare. There's two different types of tactics. Previously, Joshua has been Uh, has a lot of experience in defensive warfare. It's like when they're traveling and people try to attack them and overcome them. And so Joshua has a lot of experience in terms of gathering men together to fight and, you know, keep people from attacking them. Uh, uh, Defensive warfare means you allow them to come to you. They get exposed in the open and you're allowed to defend yourself. And usually for the defense, it requires less men and less struggle as opposed to offense requires actually more men and more equipment to actually overcome uh, an army that is well dug in. And so this time now with Jericho, um, Joshua is now faced for the first time with the need of an offensive strategy, right? He's got to overcome a city, an enemy that is protected behind a fortified wall that they are ready to wait it out as long as needed um, and so their typical warfare of, you know, the Israelites with swords, spears, and arrows. That doesn't, you, you can't run up against a wall with swords, spears, and arrows. It's just, no, it doesn't make any sense. And so we look at this and we see that Joshua is faced with some uncomfortable unknowns in terms of the task. God says, I'm going to give you the city. And he's looking at it going, there's no viable solution. I don't see Uh, any way from a human standpoint that God's going to accomplish this task. You say the walls are going to fall, but I don't know how they're going to fall. The second thing, I'm not properly equipped. To take a city requires proper equipment and proper tech at that time. Battering rams, catapults, siege towers. Um, Israelites don't have that stuff. (laughs) When they cross over a river, they don't have those things. The final uncomfortable note, and the most important, is I don't see the connection between my obedience and success. Precisely, how is my obedience to God's word going to actually solve this problem? See, this is where we fall to the most. If you look at God's instructions to Joshua, and he says carefully, if you obey this, this is gonna happen. He says, march around the city um, once with all your armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry the trumpets, ram horns. We kind of know the story. When you hear them sound the long blast of the trumpets have all the people give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up and every man straight in. And Joshua looks at this plan and goes, oh, I always see what you're doing. I get, no, he says, I don't get this, God. This doesn't make sense. See, what's the relationship between marching around a city and blowing trumpets and the walls of Jericho falling down? Now again, there are a lot of biblical, what we call biblical critics, who try to take out, you know, God from all things, and they say, um, okay, we try to make the connection between what they're doing and, and what's happening. And they say, well, maybe the vibration from the people marching around the city weakened the walls so much, and then when they shouted, the sound waves knocked the city down. And uh, we're like, okay, I guess that could work, you know, uh, if the Israelites were mutants, but no. It's not going to work. See, when we face uncomfortable unknowns, a lot of times, instead of persevering, we, we just say, well, this, this God, this is not going to work. And then we go our own way. Or maybe we'll try it one day. I'll try it for one day. I'll go around the city and see if anything happens but then it doesn't work, we choose our own plans. Or maybe God, you know what's a better idea? Is we should dig a little bit under the, 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 the wall, just a little bit every day, and then the wall will fall. I think that's a better idea. But you know, this is the thing. When we're faced with these, these uncomfortable unknowns, when God tells us this is what we need to do, this is what you need to do, and we look at it and say, God, it's not gonna work. And then we go our own way, we try our own thing, and as a result, you know, we don't get to experience the, the, the victories that God has really planned. The ways in which he wants to show his might and his glory in our difficult situations. So then we think about this and we say, how, um, how can we persevere in the face of these uncomfortable unknowns? I mean, what do we do? And not, not just in like the big things, but even in the small things, just day-to-day stuff. And struggles that go in our lives, we say, how can we be sure that we're getting where God wants us to be when life just seems to be like hitting a wall, like I keep walking into this wall or I keep walking into walking around in circles? Well, I believe that the answer is found in the third insight we find for the battle of Jericho, and that is God's greater goals. When we begin to understand God's greater goals, we begin to see um, what God is doing. In verse 6, it says, Joshua, the son of Nun." Um, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark. So he did exactly, he told them to do exactly what God told them to do. He says, take up the ark of the covenant. Seven priests carried the trumpets. He ordered the people advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark. Now, if you look at this, you'll notice like in military terms, it doesn't say he got his generals, he got his, you know, flanks, he got this and that, and he put them in a stretch. No, the prominence here is on uh, the ark of the covenant. Um, the priests, uh, the trumpets, and, and march around the city uh, with the Ark of the Lord, um, the armed guard going ahead of the mark of, 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 of the, the guard and they just follow them. And so the thing is that you see this sense of the prominence of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is a, basically a wooden box that's layered with gold. It has the Ten Commandments inside it. And the Ark was situated, normally situated, in the tent of worship, in the Holy of Holies, and it represented uh, the very holy presence of God. So God's command is saying, take this ark, and this is going to be the central focus of our campaign, of our military campaign. And so what you have here is you have this sense that God's goals were not really military goals. They were spiritual goals. Because the spiritual elements are what is taking prominence in what God is asking them to do. Mm-hmm. And and, and they relate to the mission of God and the relationship of God to his people. So that when we think about the uncomfortable unknowns that we face, one of the things that we see is that God, the first greatest goal that God wants, is God wants to foster faith in his people. Verse 12, it says, And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark, And it says the armed men were walking before them. The rear guard was walking after the ark. And then the trumpets blew. The second day, um, you know, they returned to the camp. They did this for six days. Now, if you're a soldier and you're eager, this is like the first battle going into the promised land. So you're kind of eager. You might be a little scared. You might be a little excited. But I would imagine by the third day of marching on the city, you're probably really bored. Like, you know... I'm wasting time marching, uh, I'm more vulnerable, uh, this is actually kind of dangerous, and I don't see uh, how this is working. And you can see this contrast between the worldly and the spiritual. I mean, you can imagine the if the people from Jericho, I don't know what they're called Jericonians or whatever, and no, don't take my word for that, it's not what they're called, but anyways. Um, they were on the top of the wall looking down at this this going on, and they're thinking from a perspective, from a worldly perspective, they're saying, you yeah, know, this." silly that's ridiculous you know um but if you're spiritually discerning like the israelites what they're getting this clear picture is you're getting up every morning you're literally following the presence of god every day as he leads you around the city right that's what they're seeing now, see, some people may say this is, and, and they're doing it in complete silence. God says, do it in complete silence. Just march around the city. Now, some people say, well, this is psychological warfare, but no, this, this is not psychological. This is spiritual. This is clearly faith. God says, every day, keep doing what Jesus wants you to do. Follow behind me. No questions, no complaining, no giving up, no shortcuts, silent, reverent obedience for six days, it requires faith. It builds faith. It was funny, yesterday um, we were celebrating Father's Day with my parents and Matt and Emma and Lauren and her boyfriend and uh, my nieces and nephews. So we separated on two tables because there's too many of us. So you had all the um, people on one table, the, the younger generation, and then you had the 50 and above on the other table, and we were like the, uh, the technology challenged uh, table. And so my dad, we were talking about, my dad's always trying to figure out how to use his iPhone because he loves his Android. And he's like, I, he's always calling at weird times. I was at Johnny and Friends and he was calling me to figure out just how to f- open one of his apps on his phone. And I was like, you know. But he, he said, he was, we were talking about it and my dad was saying, yeah, it's so hard because I, I keep turning off my phone and forgetting to turn it on. And he said, they should create an app. He says, does, does Apple have a, like a, 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 a thing where you can, turn off the ringer only for like an hour, and then it turns back on again. And we're like, well, I, don't, I don't know if that's, they have that. And we were like, no, I don't think they have that. And my other sister says, oh, I think they have something where you can turn off the ringer for certain times. so you can't just push it and turn off first. And then my dad goes, I should invent an app for that, where you can have an app, and uh, you should make an app, you know, where you can push a button, turn off your phone, and then uh, turn off the ringer, and then it'll come back on again. And then we're all like, oh, yeah, that would be really good, because, yeah, when I go to meetings, I turn off my phone, I come back from church, I turn off my phone for church, and then I don't realize that my ringer's been off for the last three days because I forgot to turn it back on, you know? And I thought, wow, oh, no phone calls. And I realized, oh, okay, I forgot to turn it on. And I thought, oh, that'd be great. We should invent an app, you know? And then we can finally do this. And we are all talking about, oh, but the app needs this. The app needs that. And we should talk, who do we talk to to get an app? And then Rita's sitting back there going, well, guys, it's really simple. Just turn your phone back on, you know? You don't need an app. When you turn your phone off, just turn it back on when you're, when, when you're ready to go. And it's like, no, that's true. Why do we need an app for? Why do we need? We're always looking for an easier way to, to get things done. Oh, that's so hard to remember to turn on my phone. I don't want to have to do that anymore. There's got to be a more convenient way. There's got to be an app that can help me do this so I don't have to remember to do this and that. No, there's no app. You just have to turn it on. You have to do the things that you need to do so that these things function correctly. And we look at life in terms of obedience and we say, oh, it would be so good if somebody invented this so that spiritually we could do this. Oh, it would be so good if, if I didn't have to worry about this, you know, in my spiritual life and this and this. And, and, and we're always looking for kind of like easier ways to obey God because obeying God is so inconvenient, right? It's so hard to remember to, to, to obey God, you know? Wow, if only somebody could invent an app that would make obeying God easier or, or remind me to obey God, you know, at this time, and it would ring or, or whatever. They made this, this bracelet. Now, I saw this bracelet and I was like, really, I don't even know if it's real, but it's like a shock bracelet. So, if you're like hungry and you want to buy something that you know you shouldn't, you can push a button and it actually sends an electric shock through your body. So, you're like, ah! And then it's kind of conditioning you to not do things that you should, and so it's like, you know, you push a button and it shocks you, and I'm like, okay, there's another Apple app we could do, but I mean, there's so many things that we're saying, how can we make life easier, make it easier to obey? Because obeying is so hard, it's so inconvenient to be thinking about God in in my work, in school, uh, at home, uh, raising my kids, uh, eating, eating, uh, doing this. It's so hard to, wow, I keep forgetting to obey God. If only there was something to make it easier to do that. And God just says, why not just obey? <laughs> It's—it. There's no easy way about it. When when there are things God says we need to do, we do it. When there are things God says we shouldn't do, we don't do it. And what we do we ask God for forgiveness and we pray and ask God to strengthen us. When we know there are difficult things in our lives that need to be changed um, and it takes a long time to change it and we wish there were easier ways of doing it, God says, no, there's, we just do it. This is, this is faith, to just keep six days, keep doing, keep following God, doing the things that God asks us to do. And in that, God makes us men and women of faith. God will do anything, whatever it takes, to make us men and women of faith. He does not want to make obedience easy for us. He does not want to make uh, 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 his plans easy to follow. He wants us to grow, to become faithful people. That no matter what is happening around us, no matter what people outside may say about us or say to us, If God is building and developing your faith, making it deeper and richer, we rejoice. We we are excited. We keep going because that's God's perfect plan. Because we know God's perfect plan is moving forward. We know we're on the right track when we're growing in faith. And so we want to ask the question right now in what way is God growing your faith right now? What is the challenge that God is asking you right now in terms of obedience, in terms of faith, in terms of trusting Him, in terms of some of the promises that, that you? you say, this is what I'm looking for, but I'm here and I'm not sure how to get there. And in and, and what ways is God asking you to just say, hey, do we just silently, humbly, and faithfully just walk behind Jesus one day, two days. We wake up again the next day, put on our armor, follow Jesus, come home, take off our armor, go to sleep. Wake up again, put on our armor, follow Jesus, walk behind him every day. Even if nothing spectacular happens, whatever, we do it again, why? Because God wants us more than anything else to be people of obedient faith, to really follow him and to see God work. Uh, The second greater goal um, is that God's plans ultimately come, they come back to God. God's plan focuses on the glory of Jesus. I mean, just as we saw the, the, the spiritual elements, they take center stage. In verse 4, it says, have the seven priests carry these trumpets or ram horns. Now, the trumpets are extremely significant in here. They're not just like musical instruments. These trumpets are what we call the jubilee uh, trumpets. They're used in connection with, with Israel's feasts. They proclaim, in a sense, the presence of God coming to these feasts. They're, they're used to declare that God is great, that he's the God of the Heaven and earth. And so, as they're circling and as they blow the trumpets, what they're saying is they're announcing the presence of God around this city. They're calling heaven and earth to look down at Jericho and display and to see what happens. And when they see what happens, they will know that this is the glory of God. This is God's mighty hand, that it is a call to victory. This is evidence of the power and the glory of God, that God is now worthy for all the nations to bend the knee Bow the head to Jesus the King. That's God's plan. God's plan is not easiest, is not the quickest, is not the most cost effective. It may not even be the most efficient uh, plan. But whatever gives Jesus the most glory, that's what God wants. Whatever brings more people to give Jesus more glory, God says, that's the way I'm going to do it. And it is amazing, you think about it, uh, our growing in faith and Jesus getting glory seem to always coincide. It just happens that way. And so you're here and we think about this and maybe today um, you are struggling um, with some uncomfortable unknowns. Maybe you're standing... uh, in front of an impenetrable wall right now. Nothing going in, nothing going out. And you say, what do I do, God? Where do I go? Maybe it's uh, a habitual sin in our lives right now. And we say, God, I know that Satan's got kind of this little foothold or a big foothold in my life because of this particular sin that, that I know I need to get rid of. And sometimes I really pray, but it's like a wall. And it keeps coming back and it keeps dragging me down to the point where I just give up. And I give in. And I just accept it. That this is a place where God Satan's going to have a hold of me. No, this is just a wall. God can tear that wall down. God will tear that wall down. Maybe you are here and and you're facing this situation or a disappointment, a loss, and you really do feel like giving up hope. You say, it's not going to work, God. I just need to do this on my own way right now, God. Because I tried obeying you and I tried doing it the right way and it's just not happening, God. And so God, you understand if, 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 if circumstances now are pressuring me and other people are pressuring me and I just gotta do it my way now. But I, mean, I tried your way, God, I gotta do it my way now, God. And we begin to turn, and because that wall seems so hard, and we say, "God, I've, I've done the one day, I've done the two day, I've done the three day." So, I, God, I gave you the chance. Now it's my turn. Just I'm just going to do it my way. Because God, you disappointed me too many times, and and we may feel like I'm 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 I want to give up hope, or maybe it's just our own stubborn pride. God, I know what I need to do, but I just don't want to do it, God. I like the way I do things. I like things done my way. I like getting the things that I want, the way I want, when I want them. That's how my life has always been, and I've always worked that way. And God, until you have something to offer me, I'm not going to follow and we have this stubborn pride because we say, this is, this is the wall inside me that's not going to break. And God says, I will tear down that wall. I will make you new. These walls, they will come down. And they will come down when God is ready to shout the glory of Jesus through your life and my life just at the right time. When God is ready to show his power and his presence through you, through your struggles, through your suffering, even through our failures. He wants to show his glory to the world that is watching us right now. He wants to show that Jesus is worthy. When when his faith lesson is complete in our lives. And there are many faith lessons in which God is building that faith in our lives. And the only way that he does it is through these walls, whether it's the walls that we face, the walls inside, when God says, I'm building this faith in you to make you the type of person that I know that you're going to be someday for the kingdom of God, but I need to have this wall up. And when the time comes, this wall is gonna come tumbling down when God is ready to show that He is the great God and He is worthy of praise, to get to every good place, there is always difficult circumstances, always. There are always obstacles to overcome. There are always walls. And there are not always apps and easy solutions. And sometimes God does ask us to say, It's time to to wait and to walk behind me today and you do it again tomorrow and you do it again tomorrow and you do it again tomorrow and when the time is right I will bring all these walls down and you will be amazed at what type of person you are and you will be amazed at how wonderful and beautiful Jesus is. God never fails, never once, for any of his promises to his children. Let's go ahead and let's bow in prayer right now. And I want you to take that picture of a wall. And as you think of a wall, you put something on that wall. You write something on that wall that describes what is that wall in your life right now. What is that wall in your life? What What is God saying to you?